This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Hello. Welcome to Facing Fate. I'm your game master, Russ Moore. Today's episode introduces some new characters, which we'll be using to fill out the last half of Lunacorp, this first season of Facing Fate. We hope you enjoy what we're doing, and if you do, we would greatly appreciate it if you could rate, review, and subscribe to Facing Fate to make sure that you are not only the first one to hear new episodes and new stories, but to help spread the word and get us in front of more ears. If you share an episode to Twitter using the hashtag FacingFakeCast, we may use your name as a character in Season 2, which we are currently in the midst of planning and will begin recording later this month. But now, let's begin. Today's episode contains coarse language, frightening scenes, and descriptions of graphic violence. Facing Fate, Season 1, Lunacorp, Day 5, Part 2. We open in dark chambers, flashing between rooms. We hear the soft sound of breathing and slight stirring in beds. A low, blue illumination from under a door on the far side of a room is seen, and we see the face of Ash Mendoza, who stares at his alarm that says 3.43 a.m. <laughs> Why? A few moments pass when suddenly he's jolted out of bed. A blaring, shrill alarm is heard. The lights in the room flash on and in an instant begin flashing in a pattern that you recognize as a call to assemble in the main hangar. Oh man, this this must be this must be real serious. We see now a small dormitory-sized room. Ash jumps up, gets out of bed, and with military precision dresses in a dark black and gray combat suit that he pulled from his closet. We flash between several more rooms and see more people snapping to attention with the same speed and accuracy before exiting the rooms, running down a long corridor. As the soldiers travel through the halls, they pass by medical wards, and we see glimpses of rotting corpses on tables. Moving swiftly, they now enter a large hangar bay. Falling into line, they stand at attention as we see two people enter the hangar from the far side. Ash stands next to two of his fellow soldiers, Bianca St. Clair and Rosie Adams. 
The first person we see walk into the room on the far side is a woman approximately five feet, sporting a blonde short bob cut with bangs, a freshly pressed floral blouse, and lavender pencil skirt. As she approaches, we see that this woman is Gail Chikowsky. At her side is a tall, imposing man, sporting a clean crew cut. He has a hard, stern face that shows his experience through his leathery, scarred demeanor. Dressed in a similar combat suit, we see a rank insignia far above any of the other soldiers that we have seen previously. The two step forward and address the awaiting battalion of troops. Gale says, Soldiers, this isn't the first call most of you have had for a mission like this. We hoped to prevent another purge with the installation of the latest filtration system, but it appears as was expected by General Robick, human error is usually to blame. Your mission is to travel to Lunacorp main base and clear the infected. We are uncertain how far the progression is, but from reports on base from Rania Samuth and transmissions from Dr. Joyner, it is spreading. Anyone who can be confirmed uninfected is to be brought back to Earth for further testing. If you can't be sure, or there is any question, the objective is to do a clean sweep of the base, at which point Project Delta will commence. Are there any questions? Rosie raises her hand. Gail looks towards Rosie. What's Project Delta again? Uh, the starting of a new main base off-site from Project Kappa, which is the one you're going to go clear. Right. right. Yes. Just clarifying. Of course. You know, if one person asks it, ten other people are thinking it. So. Mm-hmm. 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 Fair enough. Thank you. Anyone else? As the room remains silent, General Roebuck steps forward and motions towards the awaiting ship and move out. Everyone moves to collect their gear and into the awaiting ships. Ash follows in behind Bianca St. Clair and Rosie Adams along with their fellow crewmates. As I head toward the transport, I like pop a pill in my mouth. Um, I do that thing that nobody likes when you put your head like so close over somebody else's shoulder and I say, got enough to share? Yeah, I don't think you can handle this. Challenge accepted. Bianca St. Clair moves up to the cockpit to meet her co-pilot, Tormund McKella. Hey, Torm. How's it going? Uh, well, aside from the fact that we have to go kill a bunch of people, pretty, 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 pretty good. Aw, oh, man, they're not people anymore. Yeah. Some of, the, some of them might be, though, right? That's no way to think about it. Oh, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Ash is sitting there uh, with a butterfly knife, and he's, like, folding it in and out. You know, like those cool guys do in movies? Yeah, yeah, you are. That's what he's doing. Rosie is 
all strapped in and taken apart and put together her sidearm. Whatever kind of gun she has. <laughs> her Uh-oh, rifle? Space gun. Guns. Yeah. Future space gun. What kind of gun is it? I don't know. An M47A. Oh, dang. Not the 47A. Yeah, the 47A. <laughs> That's the one with the extra long stock. Yep. That's the one. And, and you That's have to lock A. it. And at the end, when I'm done, there are two smoking barrels. Pretty sick. From across the way, Ash, uh, Serena, who you know, she's a uh, an equal in your training. She looks at you. You gonna you gonna play with that the whole way? Uh, do you have anything better to pass the time? You could you could not have a blade out when we take off. Has anyone ever got hurt when I've been doing this before? It's always always a first, Ash. Always a first. I don't make mistakes. All right. I lean over to Ash and I said, you should have said your mom. You're right, Rosie. That would have been better. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that under advisement for next time. You, know, you have anything better to do? Your mom. Yeah. You two are great. You just meant for each other. Yeah. It's going to be real good. Remind me to split up when we when we get there. <laughs> I'm going for, like, she wants to be part of the the gang. Nobody probably really likes her. She says things. She gets too close. But when it comes down to the shooting, she's all business. Rosie, when are you going uh, to ditch that gun and just go with the knives like me? I don't know. Probably never because guns are awesome and knives are for pussies. I mean, hard disagree. I'd like to see you hit someone with that knife from 200 feet away. I'll show you on the base. Aerodynamically impossible, but okay. I look forward to seeing it. It's going to be in airlocks and stuff. It'll be fine. Up in the cockpit, Bianca, you get uh, word that it's clear to take off. I'm picturing, like, a big transport, so Tormund and I are, like, in a separate room? Or is it, like, open to the back? It's more open to the back. I picture it kind of like the Avengers planes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, And how many people are on the plane? There would be six. Okay. Six total. So Six total. Yeah. So two Two in front and the four of us in the back. You betcha. Cool. Okay. Okay, everybody, hold on to your asses. And we start to take off. Or is this a rocket? We're launching? I'm unsure about how space you, you travel can. works in the you, future. You tell me how it takes off. Okay, well, maybe it's the future. So maybe we take off like a plane, but then once we take off, we go straight up in the air. I like it. As you all have been through this many times before, the rocket easily takes off and then launches itself up straight towards space. After a while, you uh, look over and you see your medic, Nash Harrison, has fallen asleep. Hey, someone draw a dick on his face. Why oh, you always gotta draw dicks on people's faces? I've only done it once before. You still butt hurt about that? Yeah! I didn't like it! Mostly because you did it in, like, some super weird, like, permanent shit, and it was on there for almost a year! <laughs> Yeah, there's a marker used to label the pieces of equipment outside of the spacecraft. That shit almost never comes off. 
We flash between the faces of all of the crewmates aboard the rocket going to the moon base, and we stop on Bianca St. Clair, who's deep in thought at the moment. Well, that mess I took made me hyper-focused, so... <laughs> right. <laughs> we see Bianca sitting in a classroom out on a tarmac. She's surrounded by, let's say, 20 classmates you can put together. There's a instructor up at the front drawing diagrams on a, on a blackboard, explaining uh, terminal velocity and other flight things. When, uh, from behind, Bianca catches a balled-up piece of paper in the back of the head. And... I jump up and turn around and say, who the fuck threw that? And, like, look around at the people behind me. Who threw it? Everyone's kind of just... They, <laughs> they're um, holding back laughter, but not saying anything. Um, make a check. Oh, okay. Roll that dice! <laughs> Ooh, we're all so excited. <laughs> uh, maybe a re- alertness. Alertness would probably be good. Okay. So I rolled my four die, and I got three pluses, plus I have a four, so that's seven. You can easily see that um, Paul Stevenson is uh, looking like he's perhaps the guilty one. Stevenson, you got something you need to talk to me about, or...? I thought you might need some, some, some notes to keep track of, you know, what you're supposed to be doing up in the air. Well, I think out of the two of us, I am not the one that needs any help up in the air. Hey, there's a resounding, like, oh, (laughs) from the class. (laughs) How's the teacher reacting to me just standing up and yelling at someone in the middle of class? (laughs) The teacher has uh, stopped doing what they're doing and is just kind of watching the interaction at this point. Um, Is the teacher wearing a military uniform? Are we wearing military uniforms? You, t- you tell me, is this a, just a flight school or is this a military flight school? I guess it depends. If I'm very young, it could just be flight school general. Sure. But I would say if I am like 24 plus, then it is probably military. How, how old are you? I don't know. What fun this game is. Right? right? How old do you want to be? Let's say, okay, let's say young. So like... Okay. I'm like 18. So no, it's just a it's just a guy. He's got a bit of a beer belly. He's got one of those like leather jackets with the um, with like the the wool around mm-hmm. the collar. Like a uh, so I'm the youngest person in this class, probably. Probably, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a few youngins in there who who are just you know trying to get their start. But yeah, you you are probably one of the youngest. Paul says, I could take you. Any day. Oh my god. Okay, how about today? How about right now? <laughs> right. right now? Right now, what do you want to do? Well, what's What are the stakes? What's the competition? Well, how do I prove how much better than you I am? I mean, we, we could maybe talk about this after the teacher isn't looking at us. 
Well, I don't know. You threw that paper at me. It seemed like it was important and maybe needed to happen now. All right. Well, maybe we races races after after this, huh? After this class. What do you think about that? I don't know. You th- you think your rental plane will be ready? Yeah, it'll be ready. All right. I'll pick between one of mine. He sits down, very cowed. The instructor uh, clears his throat as you're staring down, Paul. Says, "Well, uh, <clears throat> if we can get back to the class now, yeah, maybe, yeah." And I turn around and sit down. Thank you, Saint Clair. Uh, teacher, you forgot to assign homework. Maxwell, shut up! I'll get there for homework. We uh, flash forward to after class. You uh, go to your your plane and you see um, Paul. No, I literally have two planes he, there. Okay. Well, I, I just said you went to one of them. There's, I don't know if so, they were parked side by side. I have, <laughs> I've already like built this whole thing in my mind. I like it. I would have been the worst rich person, FYI. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to like come out and I assume... Paul is there with like his plane. These are like our little planes, I'm assuming. Like a little two seater plane. What's probably? the jalopy equivalent of an airplane? <laughs> <laughs> Jalair plane. Um, yeah, he's 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 got his plane out there. He has a uh, a Piper Seneca. Okay. Which is a twin prop two seater. Only seventy six cents. Oh wait. Uh, that's point seven six million US. Oh. Yeah. Yes. So that's, close in, that's in today's, you know, for inflation, that's like oh, $6 million, obviously, right. by that point. Which is just pennies to Bianca. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> hey. I don't know if this is a good plan, but we're going with it. I like it. It's got 220 so, horsepower, so, you know, it's got to be okay. <laughs> sounds good. So I have two planes. I have one of those, but, like, nicer and brand newer than his. Naturally. And then I also have a Piaggio Avanti EFO, or sorry, EVO, which is the fastest turbo twin prop plane that exists. But. So I walk out and look between them, and then I'm like, hmm, and mime thinking. And then I get in the one that's the same as his. Paul uh, sees you climb into yours, and he says, all right, let's do this. And he climbs into his and pulls the door shut and fires up the engine. Um, it's going to be like quarter mile style. Someone's going to be standing down at the end with, you know, it's going to be Maxwell. Maxwell's going to be standing down with a scarf down and at the end. And a crop top. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> um, so you both take your positions out on the runway and Maxwell gives the flag when he's ready. Okay. Um, and when you're ready, we're going to roll for eight, eight. For speed. For vehicles, for something. Pilot. We're going to roll for pilot. Perfect. Roll for pilot. That's an eight. The two planes take off. From everybody watching, they take off much faster than they're supposed to. And you see someone running out onto the tarmac to try and stop them from taking off, but they're much too slow. And these two planes fly up in the air. And how is Bianca trying to best 
Paul. I think, like, I am very confident. So I think I am, I assume, yeah, we're going, like, straight ahead, like, first past the post wins, right? Right. So instead of just going straight, I'm going to, like, yeah, a little closer to him. Just kind of trying. Huh? He um, sees you out of the corner of your eye moving closer to him, uh, getting pretty close to his propeller. Um, and he sees this and takes a hard right to get away from you. He corrects course and gets back on, and you two are racing to, we'll say, a mountain range, which is, you know, ahead of where the airport is. I think I pull back hard on the throttle. Uh, yeah, Bianca pulls back hard on the throttle and then starts to go straight up. We do a loop-de-loop. Be like taking your time, tricking. <laughs> I don't want to do that because, you know what? Yeah, I do. I totally do. I was going to say, I don't want to do that because I don't know if she wins, but I don't think she'd care. She'd be so confident that she was going to win. Then, yeah, totally. She, like, pulls straight up in the air and then, like, starts to come down and they do that thing where, like, the engines cut. Like the and it's, death like, drop? quiet. And then they start up again, like, finishes the loop and keeps flying towards the I'm going to say, Bianca does that. You death drop towards you get up ahead and then above where Paul is and you death drop like and you're going to collide with him and just before you kick the throttle back on he sees you and like nose dives to get out of the way and spirals and you see him lose control as you correct and make your way to the mountain range ahead of him you kind of see through the side window as you turn to come back, and he has ejected out into the field below, and his plane has crashed. So I'm going to swoop down real low beside him and just wave and keep going. And he's floating down in his parachute, and you soar by him heading back to the hangar, um, and he kind of gets knocked off course and is blowing further away from where he needs to be. And I think it's great. I'm delighted with this outcome. As you land, your instructor and two military figures are standing waiting for you to step out of the plane. I get out. Did you see that? That was amazing, right? Uh, the instructor clears his throat and one of the, uh, the figures says, Miss St. Clair, we need you to come with us. Uh, okay. Who are you? As you walk closer to him, you see uh, the symbol of an up-and-coming energy company. The symbol of Lunacorp. They stand behind you and walk you, without answering your question, to a waiting vehicle. In the transport, I'm just, like, taking apart my gun, putting it back together. Taking apart my gun, putting it back together. Taking apart my gun, and putting it back together. Going through this monotonous, just, you know, muscle memory. Yep. Um, You begin thinking of a, a time in your past. Probably thinking about the man who taught me how to take apart a gun and put it back together. My dad. 
You are in uh, your your home, your family's garage at home, doing this exactly, but not as precise as uh, you are currently. Your dad is standing over you, saying, "It's it's okay. It's okay. Just take your time. You don't need to do it as fast as humanly possible. You need to get it right first. Well, yeah, but you're standing there with a the stopwatch. It makes it kind of seem like speed is." It's to judge improvement, not necessarily to, you know, stress you out in the moment. Well, it's working. I take it apart and I put it back together slower and, like, annoyingly slow. I'm like, click, snap, turn. I don't know how to put a gun together. And then I do the macarena. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I like your dance moves. Um, at least you didn't scratch up the cylinder on that one. So when can I actually use this thing? I mean, as soon as you put it put it back together properly, we can go and do that right now. I speed myself up and I put it together. Nice. And then I set it in front of him to inspect it. He does so. Roll a weapons. Roll a weapons. Or guns. Roll a guns. Roll a guns. All right. Well, okay. Um. So it's just this one. So six. He looks at it and he says, "Yeah, you did good. All right. Well, grab some ammunition and we'll uh, we'll get going to the range." I skip over to the uh, locked cabinet and unlock it and take out a box of ammo. Skip back. Uh, so you're putting, take, what, what kind of weapon? Is it like a handgun or is it like a rifle? Or I think it's a rifle. Uh, you and your, your dad, you head down to a, he calls it a range, but it's more of a field. Right on the forest line where nobody goes. I look at the end of the field on the fence post, and there are some cans that are set up there. It says once you knock all those down, then we can then we can go home. Dinner's in like a half an hour. How long is it going to take you to knock them down? What if I run out of ammo? Well, might want to go pick it up. I- how much did you bring? Box? You should be fine. Alright. I load my gun. I lift the butt of the gun. I put it against my shoulder. I square myself up to the target. I look through the sight with both eyes open. And I slowly squeeze the trigger while breathing out. Sounds like good form to me. Right? Mm-hmm. And... Is this the guns thing? Yeah. Two. You take a long time kind of preparing yourself, deep breath. And as you exhale, you pull the trigger. It goes really wide. Hits a tree and you see birds kind of just fly up and scatter around. This is... uh, Christ on a cracker. that that uh, That was a good first try. I mean, first try, you might want to uh, just relax. Just 
you know, those breaths that you were heavily taking, like it was like you were like trying to blow them down from here. Would that count? No, you'd have to go set them up. I mean, good on you, good lung control, but no. no. Okay, fine. I square myself up again. I take a slow, deep breath. Slowly. I got a two. Well, I hope you brought uh, enough ammunition to uh, to last us a little while. One more try. A five. On this one, you kind of take his criticism, and you're getting a little fed up with it. But you you manage to clear your mind. You take your shot, and you peg the middle can clean off of the post. Ha <laughs> ha! Nicely done. Very good job. Thanks, Dad. All right. Clean up the other two and we'll be home. You hit the next one, no problem. And on the last one, as you hit it, your memory flashes to a more recent time. And you fire a gun and what looks like a person from behind turns and their face is melting off. It's black veins, gray skin, and as the bullet hits the skull, it explodes. You look around as you are being surrounded by dozens of infected in this area, and whoever you were with, whatever group you were with, is no longer within range of you. Shit. I quickly reload and I start taking out as many as I can to try to clear a path for myself. Make a survival check. Four. You begin running and shooting with great accuracy. This is what you do. You you clear infected to make sure that they don't get to uh, larger populations. You trip on a root that's coming up and out of the ground. Sorry, where am I? You are on Earth. Uh, You're in a forest near a, as far as you know, near a kind of a medium-sized populated center. And as you trip, um, an infected comes out of the trees beside you, screaming and clawing in your direction. When... Its head explodes right beside you, and your friend Peter comes quickly and picks you up and says, We gotta go. We gotta go now. No shit. He turns and he fires off as two more soldiers run by, and they're clearing these infected as you run and make it back to transport you. Uh, As I stumble up and into the transport unit, I immediately throw up. It was the scariest and most upsetting thing that I had ever seen. Your commander comes up behind you and slaps you on the back and says, you're going to have to clean that up when we get back. Now keep it together. We got just a few more things to do before we get back. I nod and 
wipe my mouth and throw a you know, towel or a rag or whatever over top of it. I get up on top and start clearing them out. I climb up through the ladder to the crow's nest and um, station myself and take a quick survey of how many infected are coming toward and what area would be beneficial to start thinning them out first. You begin clearing them out and you see helicopters coming in and the, the, the horde, for lack of a better term, is thinning. There are a few soldiers still out clearing them as well. You see some soldiers land in these helicopters, get out, and you see them hauling the the dead, infected bodies into the cargo unit of the helicopters. Um, I yell down, looks like cleanup crew's already here. You continue to clear the infected, and uh, your transport begins to pull away as you see that everything seems to be under control at this moment. I uh, lean back and take a moment and a deep breath as I watch the others hauling dead, gooey bodies. And I am uh, momentarily thankful that uh, that is not my job. Your memory flashes back to you and your dad, and you've cleared the cans. He stands behind you and puts his hand on your shoulder and says... You're doing a great job. Thanks, Dad. Now let's go home. I'm starving. Back on the ship, we see Ash. Ash Mendoza. What's Ash doing at this very moment? Uh, Ash has put away his butterfly knife. And he's just kind of uh, looking at the gun that Rosie's taking apart and putting back together with a bit of a look of disdain in his eyes. That look begins to drift for you. Where does it drift to? This is going to sound hilarious, but ninja school. (laughs) Like Taekwondo or like straight up ninja school? Or amazing. I mean, a little bit of both. Um, yeah, a yeah. preposterous thing to say. Um, but basically, yeah, he, uh, like a Tibetan monastery, essentially, is where this look drifts off to. Did you slap water a lot? I'm excited for this. We're going to find out. I'm, so, I'm ready. Sorry. Um, so this is a place that you uh, you are visiting or you had, like, uh, enrolled is the, long, is the wrong term. <laughs> I mean, attended a crash course at ninja school, essentially. Okay, cool. Um, So you are standing uh, in the middle of this monastery, and your master is standing in front of you. And he looks to you and says, What do you wish to accomplish while you're here, young Ash? To To be the best with the blade. Okay. Why why the blade and why 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 now? Well I would have come sooner, but I couldn't gather the funds to get over here. Transport's not exactly cheap these days. 
That's fair. What are you protecting yourself from? Oh, I'm not protecting myself from anything. I'm honing my abilities to do a little hunting. To hunt? So, like... Like... Game? Like, deer? Some would say the most dangerous game. He looks at you and he says... While you're here... We might teach you some self-control before we complete your studies with the blade. He extends his hand to, I'm assuming you have a blade in your hand, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I've got one of those, like, I don't know exactly what they're called, but they're like the kind of three-quarter length staffs, but they have a blade on the end of them. Okay, cool. Yeah, I you follow. Know, once you always see, like, the groups of dudes doing like their things in movies yeah like the foot gang yeah sure the, yeah i mean anytime you can bring ninja turtles into this i'm for it i mean it's totally what i pictured yep. too yep. is the ninja turtle <laughs> <laughs> guess that's my go-to ninja reference is the ninja turtle <laughs> should be what about your go-to ninja rap reference <laughs> says well your your training will begin uh well this very moment Yeah, I've been very eagerly awaiting this. Yes. He extends a hand, and in his hand is a pebble. And says, When you can take the pebble from my hand, you will be ready. What does this have to do with the blade? It's about control and patience. The accuracy. Okay, uh, when can I start? And as he says that, he throws his hand out to try and grab this pebble. Make an athletics check. Uh, that's a five. You quickly snap your hand out. You feel your hand touch his, um, but as you... You pull it back, you open your hand, and it's empty. And he has, in his hand, clenched. He opens it, and the pebble is still here, and he says, Now is not the time. You just got here. Do you want to leave so soon? I just thought if I could prove myself to you that we could stop with the lessons and we could get to the good stuff. All right. He snaps his fingers, and three other monks come out with... Uh, kendo sticks. He throws one to you. And he says, we will not start with blades, though. I mean, I think I'm ready, but if that if that's what you decide. For everyone's safety, perhaps we just see where you're at first. Okay. Am I fighting all three at once? One at a time? What's happening here? Let's start with one, kind of Jackie Chan style. Right? One at a time. Typical a ninja time. battle. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's make a check. A ninja check? I don't. I didn't give you Did ninja skills. Did you have skills. ninja on Ash's sheet? So I mean, maybe. I've written it in in pencil, but... <laughs> <laughs> ninja? It counts. Um, we could say weapons or... 
Uh, probably not fists, because you're using a weapon, so probably weapons. Let's use a weapons roll. All right. That's my best one. Uh, <laughs> one plus five is six. <laughs> one of the monks comes uh, close to you. You lash out at him, um, and he sidesteps, tripping you and slapping you on the back with his kendo stick. As you fall, it'll tumble to the ground. Ash gets back up and says, let's go again. We flash forward in this memory. How long do you think you were there? And at what point do you think you left? Like the better part of two years. Okay. It was not as easy as Ash thought it was going to be. It's nearing the end of that two years. And your, your master, for lack of a better term... Do you want to give him a name? Ooh. Sparrow. Master Sparrow. I love this world, Thomas. Right? And me too. Well, I wanted him to go to, like, sword school, and I was like, well, ninja school's pretty close. <laughs> I'm on board with it. They it's use fine. swords and stuff. Yep. They sure do. Uh, Master Sparrow is standing before you, and he is holding your blade in his hand is sheathed and he says I believe we're nearing the end I mean you still haven't stolen the pebble and he holds it up that fucking (laughs) pebble pebble. (laughs) there's always time for that he slips it into his hand I'll get that pebble one day he hands you the blade and says uh, happy birthday Ash thank you Sparrow You hear from behind you the sound of the people who you've been sparring with for the better part of two years. They step forward, and you hear their blades unsheathe. He says, no one will kill you in this moment. And we would hope that you would not do the same. I think over the two years, I've learned that control you've been talking about. And they wouldn't be able to kill me if they tried. Confidence is key. Humility and being humble is another lesson for you. Eh, I mean, we'll work on that one later. And I grab the sword from his hands and unsheath it and turn around. The three of them step forward, blades drawn, make a weapons roll. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. That's an eight. You tell me what happens. It's a success. Um... With a shift of two, so you you did you did much better than they did. Excellent. Uh, basically, it, it's really hard to even see what happened. Ash moves so fast, and his sword is just gleaming in the sun. Uh, but he only uses the flat of it to hit his opponents with. But he gets to the point where he's wrapped all of their knuckles. They've dropped their swords on the ground, and some various other hits on other body parts as well, just for good measure. Like where? Uh, like the butt, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the dust kind of clears, and Ash, as back to his opponents, they're on the ground writhing around. You hear Master Sparrow step forward. You turn to face him. He has in his hand the pebble. I say, look over there. Out. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna flunk out. He's gonna flunk at a ninja school because he can't grab the goddamn pebble. The goddamn pebble. 
Uh, Tiny Sparrow does not look over there. (laughs) Uh, He does not look over there. But you may roll an athletics or a deceit (laughs) if you want to try and get him to look over there. (laughs) I'll roll athletics. (laughs) Uh, That is four, five, six, five. You, like the first day, you grab forward, you feel his hand in yours, and you pull your hand back. Both of you are holding your hands up in fists, and Master Sparrow opens his to an empty palm. Ash kind of gives like this, fuck yeah, under his breath. (laughs) You open your palm, and the pebble is inside. We flash back to the ship as we hear a alarm ringing and uh, the sound of Bianca St. Clair yelling back from the cockpit. Get ready, ding-dongs. We're almost here. With that, Tormund types in a sequence into the, the Dash computer and it flashes with power disengaged, and you see the base come up online on the radar. As we see the ship careen towards Lunacorp main base. Facing Fate, Season 1, Lunacorp, Day 5, Part 2. With your Game Master, Russ Moore, and players, Amy Moore, Carla Maxted and Tom Laird. Production and sound design by Russ Moore. Theme music by Eli McElveen. The songs Mono Myth 7, The Encounter, and Omega are by Scott Buckley of scottbuckley.com.au. All other music by Kevin McLeod of incompetech.filmmusic.io. Artwork by Kessie Rilinicki. The game system used is Fate Core by Evil Hat Productions. Supporting producers are Gabriel Lynch, Joshua Dixon, Christian Brown, Devin Michaels, Cat Waterflame, and Jacob Madden. Follow and share episodes to your friends on Twitter at FacingFateCast or Facebook.com slash FacingFateCast. Become a patron of Dumb Dragons Productions today to support Facing Fate and hear the entire first season, as well as becoming the first to hear future seasons and join monthly hangouts with the cast. Visit and join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dumbdragoncast. A Dumb Dragons production. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Podcasting, this is Roger Bergato Fisher, communications, something, Moonbase, wherever. You guys can sort out the next thing. I need to get the rover checked and loaded. Jung? On it, boss. Excuse me? If communication still makes a difference at this point in the plot, if we can keep this base or this moon together long enough to be a thing. I changed my direction. I worked my way down. I took those scraps... The bits they'd forgotten about are thrown away, and I built my own place. Still inside, but within the shadows. All my thoughts, my hopes, all of my heart is on a makeshift rocket hurtling towards us with the most precious of cargo. We'll definitely deserve a celebration. Not like yours. You and your boy down there? I hope he's got a private room waiting. It'll be enough to be close again. Ah, meu amado. 
when I have Alex back in my arms. Maybe then I can think about resistance. We've kept the corporations at arm's length longer than most. Well, whatever you're building, here or wherever, I'm in. Any way we can help. It feels like we're approaching the closing stage of this journey. The final stop. But either way, it's been one hell of a story. And either way, it ends with Alex. Moonbase Theta Out, the final season. Broadcasting on your podcast feeds starting August 14th. For early access, join us at patreon.com slash monkeymanproductions. Moonbase Theta, out.